This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today. It's an honor to be here with you. Today's show is entitled, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, Please Deliver Us From Evil. Yes, please, Lord, deliver us from evil here and abroad, but especially here in America. I'd like to open today's show with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Are you old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? The dates were October 16 of 1962 through October 28 of 1962, 14 days in total. Go ahead and Google it. I was 13 years old at the time, and talk about scared. Growing up in Arizona, I went to Catholic grade school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Lord, were the nuns glad to see me move on to high school. But, But that's another story. We routinely had nuclear bomb drills at school. It was the Russians we feared. Those of us in my age group, and I'm currently 72, we eventually lost that fear. But I find it resurfacing as the Russian-Ukrainian war proceeds. However, this time it's different. It's a different fear completely. It's long been said that we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Franklin D. Roosevelt during the Second World War. But the fear I'm talking about, the fear I hear other folks talking about, is much, much closer to home. It's a fear that our political leadership has never been weaker, more self-absorbed, more confused, more hapless and indecisive, more self-aggrandizing, and more deceitful. Our feeble-minded, glad-handing grifter in the White House is not up to the challenge, and the evidence has been there for all to see since Joe Biden's first day in our White House. Actually, the evidence has been there long before that. You realize that there are those who look but do not see. There are those who listen but do not hear. It's just that we, yes, you and me, have allowed the left's hatred of Donald Trump, a president that did more to advance this nation and you and me than anyone in my memory And I consider myself an expert internet researcher, so my memory is forever long and deep. Gasoline. Yes, that stuff we pump at the gas stations. Gasoline was half the price it is today, just a year ago. So when do you think it will triple the price of 2020? Now, Joe Biden did that. Don't let anyone tell you differently. If we don't stop using fossil fuels, we're all dead doing away with any subsidies for fossil fuels, number one. Number two, holding them liable for what they have done, particularly in those cases where you're underserved neighborhoods and you, you know the deal, okay? And by the way, when they don't or when they're deliberate, put them in jail. Kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. So if we don't stop using fossil fuels, essentially we're all dead. Now, do you believe this? Do you believe natural gas and oil executives should be prosecuted 
and imprisoned as enemies of the state for providing the energy we require, that we must have to power our modern-day lives? As users of this evil energy, aren't we likewise guilty of this mortal sin? How dare we use an organic, natural substance responsibly, more responsibly than any other nation on Earth? Well, let's go back to the presidential debates of 2020 for a moment. The oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. Here's the deal. But That's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the, to the gas, excuse me, to, the, to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying question. is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you okay. remember that, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President. Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and other oil-producing states did remember President Trump's point. But there was one heck of a lot of hanky-pranky going on at vote counts that election, as you may remember. When Joe said, over time, over time, did he mean the time between his inauguration speech the morning of January 21, 2021, to when that afternoon of the same day when he shut down the Keystone XL pipeline? And among other Cut your nose off to spite your face moves that first day, Joe's first day in the White House. He rejoined the Paris Climate Accords, a worthless, self-congratulatory, nonsense organization agreed to by President Obama and his token white male vice president, Joe Biden. But back to the 2020 presidential debates for a moment. He takes everything out of context, but the point is, look, we have to move toward a net zero emissions. The first place to do that by the year 2035 is in energy okay. production by 2050 totally. All right. One is he going to get China to do it? No, we're finished with is this. Is he we going to, to get China to do it? We have to move on to our final question. No, we have to I'm move going on to rejoin our Paris question. Accord and make oh. China abide by what they agreed to. Now that the world is in turmoil over the undersupply of fossil fuels coming to market, we are the only nation talking about buying electric cars to save us from Vladimir Putin. Now, the other day we learned, despite owning several cars, Joe Biden doesn't own an electric car. So Joe is again leading by example. Switching gears, did you know two-thirds of the world's fertilizer comes from Russia? Yesterday, Russia has suspended all shipments of fertilizer. Yes, spring is here, it's time to plant. What will farmers do with short supplies of fertilizer? What will they do when they have no fertilizer? Oh yes, we can blame globalization. You think the Europeans are hostage to Russian oil and gas? We're laughing about that. Germany gets 55% of its natural gas from Russia, and Europe is totally enslaved and dependent on Russia for 40% of its energy, and there's no quick way out. They did this to themselves. Yes, we, sh we should laugh at their stupidity. But if China stopped shipping pharmaceuticals to the United States, many of us would die. We make so little of our most critical products. Critical products, the, the absolutely necessary products we need to stay alive. 
Perhaps you know we still have 113 cargo ships, as of yesterday, off the ports of L.A. and Long Beach, California. Have you heard of any happy face reports from the White House on their success in solving the supply chain fiasco? I thought not. I thought not. The Biden-Fauci dictatorship destroyed the labor force that mans the supply chain. But vaccinations were so important, right? We had to march people who refused to be vaccinated up to the unemployment firing line, and we shot. We shot millions of them out of work. Yesterday, my wife and I, we, we just received another four COVID-19 antigen test kits. Actually, eight tests in all. Through the mail, courtesy of, guess who? Joe Biden. Now we have uh, eight of these kits. Today, I want you to know that if you've already ordered free tests, you can now order another round. Shipped directly to your home and for free. So we're prepared no matter what COVID-19 brings. Go visit covidtest.gov. Get your free test today. Did you feel the energy in Joe's voice? He sounds like a staff member woke him up from a catatonic sleep and told him, here, read this. We're holding on to our tests for now. We plan on re-gifting them this Christmas. Uh, Drug stores, grocery stores, gas stations, everywhere you'll look are awash in COVID-19 home testing kits. Nobody needs them. Billions upon billions of dollars of tests that no one needs or wants because they were way too late. Way too late. Not even not even the free ones. People don't even want free ones. Most of these kits, by the way, will expire next year in April. <laughs> what do you get? Oh, don't, don't get me started. No one even knows if these tests will work if there's another new variant of covid Just one more giant fiasco, courtesy of the Biden-Fauci despotic public health service. No, no, Joe Biden and his terrible men, women, and his gaggle of gender and racially challenged advisors can't point to any issue in today's America without lying about it. If all was well, lies wouldn't be necessary. Sadly, lies are all they have to feed the public and their propagandist in the media. Joe Biden has used his executive position to push Americans around instead of pushing back on our enemies. I'll prove this to you today as I review Biden's ineptness in helping sort of arm the Ukrainians against the Russians. And and as for the Chinese, what do the Chinese have on the Biden family? On Joe, on Hunter, and Joe's brother Frank? Biden's deference shown Russia and China has been bone-chillingly suspicious. Yes, I do miss Donald Trump. I would suffer a million mean tweets if I could only have him back, fighting the good fight, fighting our enemies, fighting battles for the American people. You and I, you and I are those people. Joe Biden is probably the most experienced foreign policy expert since... George H.W. Bush. President-elect Biden is doing everything that he can to reassure the world that American global leadership is coming back. He's thinking about global leadership, about how to keep everybody safe. Joe Biden will restore our battered standing in the world because he knows that our true strength comes from setting an example that the world wants to follow. I challenge you to tell me, just tell me just one, one, one small one even, one policy, one initiative that the Biden administration has taken and made successful 
since opening day on January 21, 2021. What example do we have for the world to emulate? Our reported inflation rate is just reported at 7.9%. This is a 40-year high. Boy, what an accomplishment. Real inflation in the past three months alone is at 8.3%. And note, none of these calculations include the impact of the Ukrainian-Russian war on prices as of today. Maybe you didn't know this. Wheat prices are rising faster than gas prices. I mean, did, did you know that? I was in a Publix supermarket yesterday. Publix is a giant chain of grocery stores here in Florida and in many other states. The public store I routinely shop at has four long aisles of frozen foods. All the lighting in the frozen food sections were off. You know, the lights that usually come on as you walk by. Only 45 to 50% of these shelves in these long aisles of freezers were stocked. My guess is the lights were off because they don't want anyone taking pictures of these uh, empty shelves. And this is a major retailer. I mean, a wholesaler. These people buy groceries and the giant bulks of things. And, and we're still to experience the supply problems caused by the European war. They haven't even shown up yet. Gas prices? Well, we're being told by our own Tokyo Rose, Jen Saki, that gas prices are all because of you-know-who, Voldemort. No, I mean, uh, Vladimir uh, Putin. You may have noticed this week that your gas prices have gone up. I want to talk to you a little bit about why. A lot of it has to do with Vladimir Putin. But part of this is on the oil companies. Right now, there are 9,000 approved unused permits that oil and gas companies could tap into now to ramp up production. The only way to protect the United States over the long term is to become energy independent. That's why the president has been so focused on investing in clean energy technologies so that we can rely on that and not President Putin to set the price of gas. Don't know who Tokyo Rose was? Well, she was an English-speaking Japanese radio propagandist for the Imperial Japanese military during World War II. Now, she was constantly on the airwaves talking to our GIs on all those godforsaken murderous Pacific Islands, and she was talking trash. Now, I'll come back to unpack our Tokyo Rose's lies in a bit. In the meantime, um, as you know, Vice President Kamala Harris, the first black female to ever be vice president, I don't know why this is particularly relevant, but it seems very important to, uh, to Joe Biden, who, by the way, is our first senile white male president. Well, anyway, uh, as you know, VP Kamala Harris was in Poland this week. I have no clue, and apparently she doesn't either, as to why she was there. Now, here's a clip of Kamala responding to an American journalist's question at Thursday's joint Polish-American press briefing in Warsaw. I wanted to ask you about some reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed. He recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town who told him that the refugee system is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? A friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I can first. Okay, so this time. Uh, have you noticed everything is a, is a joke to this woman? Excuse me, I mean our first black female vice president. 
Now, short of a physical disease or some psychological trauma, most people in their 50s just don't up and become stupid. Therefore, short of Camilla having had a stroke or some terrible post-traumatic shock and fright in the past couple of years, the stupidity she routinely displays has to have been with her now for quite some time. And when you match it with Biden's cognitive impairment and his escalatory impairment, I might add, you have a, a, a whole new age dream team. They're both in a dream state during most of their awake time, which in Biden's case may be as short as eight hours a day. There are times you just want to start all over again. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to the Frankly Daniel Show. We're starting all over again, right in the middle of the first segment. Why? Because I was I was becoming a little bit too depressed. So we're gonna we're gonna start again right here, uh, with a whole new set of depressions. Today, my purpose is to expose and link a series of events that have taken place over the last fifteen months of Joe's pathetic presidency. Now, by linking these critical variables in what I call the equation of cause and effect, we just might be able to see clearer, or or let's just say, if you take the BS out of the communication equation, the truth of all matters just may appear. Now, this includes some of the numerous so-called second and third order effects, which you may have heard discussed on television, of Joe Biden's many disastrous decisions since his first day in the White House. Now, what is the second and third order effect, you ask? Uh, let me share this example. It might be the best way to try and understand it. When Joe Biden closed, he abruptly closed and shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, 11,000 pipeline workers lost their jobs immediately. 8,000 of these were union pipe fitters. You know, those guys with the good-paying union jobs. Now, that's a first-order effect. A causes B. Shutting it down, people were fired. The restaurants, shops, and grocery stores along the pipeline, supplying the families of these workers, they also had to fire their own workers because they just no longer needed them. The demand for their goods went way down when these people left. This is a second-order effect. Shutting down Keystone, workers got fired. Firing those workers caused other businesses to fire their workers. So A causes B, B causes C. Second-order effect. Here's another example. If the United States was going to continue importing 830 to 870,000 barrels of oil a day from Canada, that, that uh, this pipeline would have carried to our Gulf Coast refineries, we'd have to continue to use more expensive fossil fuel-burning vehicles to transport that crude oil. Now, this is far less efficient than a pipeline and far more polluting. So here we have it. Shutting down Keystone, firing workers. Shutting down Keystone also meant you had to transport it another way. A causes B. Another transport possible. What kinds of transportation was possible? That's when B causes C. We have to hire oil-burning trucks and trains, and that causes D, pollution. You have a first, second, and third-order effects all in a row. These are the things that are considered downstream from one simple decision. Now, here's another example. 
Because of the poisonously clear actions of the Biden government, banking institutions are less likely to finance construction for all other such oil and natural gas pipelines, believing that the Biden administration would never allow more fossil fuel projects like pipelines to go forward. This is a second-order effect again. Shutting down Keystone dries up finances, no more finances, no more pipelines. Now, Vladimir Putin, he noted that America was shifting away from being an energy-independent nation, an energy-dominant nation, to an energy-dependent, begging nation. This means his products, oil and natural gas, will be in greater demand, and greater demand means increasing prices for the same amount of oil and gas. So indirectly, Biden has made Putin richer by canceling Keystone and by implication, all other planned oil and gas lines in America. Oh, you, you get the picture. However, it's abundantly clear the Biden administration either doesn't understand economics or, or they just don't care. Now, in my opinion, it's both. They neither understand or give a flying wiener schnitzel about you and me or apparently the dead Ukrainians who ended up downstream from Biden's opening salvo in the radical progressives' war on fossil fuels. Speaking of the war dead in Ukraine, let's jump to the current war and the impact of Biden's decisions on causes and effects of some of the very deadliest and nastiest second and third order effects. Allow me to open with my hypothetical interview with retired four-star General Jack Keane. General Keane, as you probably well know, is chairman of the board of directors for the Institute for the Study of War. Uh, To the interview. Let me ask you, General, should we, I mean the American government, be assisting the Poles as they try to give the Ukrainians their stock of Soviet MiG-29 fighter jets? And General, if you would please share with us why you believe our President Joe Biden continues to cower and cringe every time the Ukrainians ask for military weaponry from America. Well, I think if you ask the Ukrainians that they would ask, give us the fighter, you know, and I'm getting to think that Putin is really getting inside the head of some of our leaders in the administration here. I mean, the pattern has been it's been pretty profound, but I thought we were getting out of it. And, and by that, I mean, remember, back in March, they show up on the border of Ukraine, 70,000. A shipment is due to leave that month for Ukraine. Actually, it, it President Trump's shipment. The Biden administration is in power for 90 days. What do we do? We delay it till August. They show up again in the fall after the Afghanistan debacle on the Ukraine's border with 150,000. Another shipment is due to go. What do we do? We delay it. And the reason for both of those delays is the fear that we will provoke them into attacking into Ukraine. And we have similar issues. We didn't give them the stingers until last week. Other NATO countries have been giving us them stingers for months. And I believe, on stated reason, we didn't want to provoke them. Now here comes the Poles. They want to give them their fighters. They reneged on, on them providing the fighters directly to Ukraine. They said, send them over to a NATO base. And now the United States throws up their arms and says, no, that could provoke the Russians if we give them the fighters. That is a lot of nonsense. I mean, stingers, artillery pieces, AT anti-tank weapons, they're all there. 
Why are we afraid that we're going to provoke the Russians here? It's nonsense. If we keep going down this ladder, it's going to tie our hands when the when the Ukrainians need everything that we can possibly give them to help them. We've already made decision. We're not going to defend them, but let's help them with everything we got. Sure, these fighters would help. In of themselves, are they decisive? No, but no weapon system in of itself is decisive. It's the complement of all of them together that makes such a difference. Thank you, General Keene. I see it exactly the same way. So I ask you, my listeners, are we really helping the Ukrainians fend off a Russian giant 12 times the size of the Ukrainian military forces? Well, let's look at the issue methodically. The Poles were the first to come up with the idea of donating their fleet of Soviet MiG-29 jet fighters to the Ukrainians. Now, the Biden, the Biden group never thinks outside of the box. They can't even find the friggin' box. And rest assured, they're in a box with all sides sealed shut tight. By the way, the Poles aren't the only former Soviet satellite countries with MiG-29 fighters or other Soviet-style fighter craft that could be donated. As of September of 2020, 1,800 combat aircraft were active and, and in use in 19 European NATO nations. Now, the, the use of Soviet-era combat assets among European NATO nations has continued to dwindle because they're buying American and other fighter, more modern fighter jets. But they currently have about 112 aircraft, or 6% of their active fleet are still Soviet-style uh, fighter craft. There are still 46 MiG-29 fighters in the NATO fleet. Now, Poland owns 23 of those MiG-29s. Poland unquestionably is looking to replace this aging fleet by purchasing Lockheed Martin F-35 stealth fighters and most likely Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptors. Now, since the Ukraine Air Force is equipped and trained to maintain MiG-29s, this donation makes perfect sense. Ukraine needs the equipment now. Poland won't need the MiGs going forward. Now, at first blush, the United States stopped this transfer of equipment. They got cold feet. Then they turned around and okayed Poland to go forward with this donation. Now, supposedly, the overriding concern of the Biden administration has been whether Vladimir Putin would see this gift of MiGs from Poland to Ukraine as an escalatory act of war. Keyword, escalatory. That's the new vocabulary word these days. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala, or Kamala, or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to... Take a break. A very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show, and I'm not kidding. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful 
well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniel Show. Before the break, I was methodically sharing the ridiculous history of gifting the undermanned and under-equipped Ukrainian Air Force Polish MiG-29 fighter jets. Now, you may ask, why have I spent so much time on this issue, and why am I going to even spend more time going forward over this very simple issue of one weapon system, and not that many of them to begin with? This issue epitomizes Joe Biden's indecisive, mealy-mouthed approach to foreign policy, especially when it's a matter of life and death of not only people, but of nations. Remember, to this very moment, Joe Biden believes his actions and the outcomes in Afghanistan were the best decisions that anyone could have made, given the circumstances, of course, which he blames totally on Donald Trump. As you've already heard from General Keene, Biden like with the the COVID-19 antigen home testing kits, is always late. There's always some reason he can't seem to get it done. He's always behind. He's 
always overly cautious and he's worried he's going to screw up somehow or that it's unnecessary and he knows better. But after he screws up and lives are lost, not only is he never contrite, he doubles, he triples, he quadruples down that he handled the situation masterfully. Perhaps you're working for a boss like this or have experienced this in your prior employment. I ask you, what am I going to do with eight Joe Biden gifted COVID-19 test kits that arrived seven weeks after my family really needed these tests? We needed these tests on the day after Christmas when, in fact, I had contracted the Omicron variant and ended up in an emergency room. What could more Stinger missiles and Polish MiG-29 fighters do months from now when these battles may be lost? Biden's every excuse is that this Ukrainian war isn't our war. It's not America's war to fight. Biden's policy decisions set this entire life-and-death exercise up, but Joe takes his Pontius Pilate hand-washing on our behalf. How kind of him. Okay, I agree, we shouldn't send troops to Ukraine. In this way, this isn't the American people's war. But it is your war, Joe. It's because of your careless, ideologically driven war on fossil fuel energy and your graciousness to Putin and the Europeans by allowing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to go forward. It's because of this, Joe, that we're at risk of nuclear war and even more likely because I don't think nuclear war is that likely. More likely a domestic recession. I loathe your declaration, Joe, to the Europeans that America is back. Back to what, Joe? Back to the fossil fuel-hating crowd of freeloading Europeans? Here's President Donald J. Trump in Brussels on May 25th of 2017, nearly five years ago. Nearly five years ago have been very, very direct with Secretary Stoltenberg and members of the alliance in saying that NATO members must finally contribute their fair share and meet their financial obligations. But 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying. This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. You're darn right that when we're paying 4.1% of our GDP, a huge GDP, into NATO's defense chest, and 23 other NATO nations aren't even meeting the required 2% of their GDP, at that time I think it's really time for a reassessment of why we were in NATO and Trump was right to call them out. Now here's the second clip of Trump's same plain-talking, straightforward address to NATO and European heads of state on May 25th of 2017. Reliance on a single foreign supplier can leave a nation vulnerable to extortion and intimidation. That is why we congratulate European states such as Poland for leading the construction of a Baltic pipeline so that nations are not dependent on Russia to meet their energy needs. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. 
What a very different view of the world Biden and the radical Democrats in Congress have of America and our role, our leadership role in the world. Curiously, as of March 1st, 2022, all European nations have met their 2% obligations to NATO. This has all happened in the last two weeks, including Germany. They could have listened to Nostradamus Trump five years ago, but no, they had to wait until the Russian barbarians were at their gates. But they still have their butts soaking in Russian oil. Well, back to the story of the big 29s. Since Poland is a NATO nation, if during the flight transfer of these jets, they were somehow met by Russian fighter planes, say, for instance, at the Polish-Ukrainian border, and each of them fired upon each other, this could drag NATO under Article 5 into a much larger war. It may even be escalatory, there's that word again, and lead to atomic uh, nuclear explosions. Unbelievably, this past Sunday, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, publicly gave Poland the okay to transfer the Polish mix to Ukraine. The Poles said they would fly the planes to a U.S. NATO base in Germany, and the Ukrainian pilots would accept the equipment there and fly them to Ukraine. However, once Joe Biden and company heard this plan, they went ballistic, and once again, they shot the entire project down. Why? Because once again, Biden and his Sesame Street gang of warlords and wannabe peaceniks decided that Putin would see this as an escalatory act of war. There's that darn word again, escalatory. Yeah, but you might ask, how is it okay for these planes to fly from Poland, a NATO nation, into Ukraine? But it's not okay for these same MiG-29 Polish planes to fly from a NATO base in Germany into Ukraine. Both Germany and Poland are NATO nations, right? An attack on any one NATO country is an attack on all. This past Thursday, Senator Tom Cotton, in his Senate hearing on Ukraine, had some very pointed questions for Biden's current Director of National Intelligence. Bear with me as I go through these clips. This back-and-forth testimony is incredibly eye-opening as to why we've been slow to help Ukraine and provide the leadership where leadership's been desperately needed these past months. As we've witnessed, the Germans have stepped forward after doing an incredible 180-degree turn in their foreign and domestic policies. They have actually shipped defensive tactical weapons in great quantities to the Ukrainians. This is the first time in modern-day Germany that they have ever done this. They have... In the past, they've been totally resistant. Early on, they were just going to ship helmets to the Ukrainians. Now they're, they're sending javelins and stingers. The, the Germans also stopped the certification of Nord Stream 2 and have no plans of ever restarting it. Uh, Joe didn't do that, did he? They're recommissioning their nuclear power plants. Un- unbelievable plants they had purposely shut down because they were going to go all green. They were the same arrogant fools that we're seeing played out right here in the United States. They have also informed NATO that they are immediately paying their 2% of GDP, uh, and they have done that by March 1st. And, and this is something Trump, by the way, said that they, they could have done at any time because they are the wealthiest nation in Europe. If you've followed my shows these past several weeks, you know Germany 
has been a NATO freeloader for decades. However, the apparent death of Nord Stream 2 has Germany completely rethinking additional energy strategies. Chancellor Olaf Stolz of Germany recently said the Germans would quickly build two liquefied natural gas terminals in response to their current dilemma. Now, you might remember my report on former Chancellor Angela Merkel, her smug cancellation of three liquefied natural gas terminals Germany had agreed to build. She had agreed to build these terminals after President Trump sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, closing it down. But the very day Trump allegedly lost the 2020 election, Merkel, with glee in her eye, canceled the construction contracts on these LNG terminals. Joe Biden, with his America's back BS, had in advance told her that he would lift all sanctions on Nord Stream 2 and she wouldn't need those LNG terminals. As we speak today, President Biden has six liquefied natural gas contract permits on his desk that are decaying into parchment for want of his signature. These contracts would allow American companies to ship up to 35% of Europe's liquefied natural gas needs right now. But Joe hates fossil fuels, so there's leadership for you. The courage, I I wrote a recent piece on the bear, the lion, and the bunny rabbit. Uh, You know, the bear (laughs) is the Russians, just as it was under Reagan. The lions have turned out to everyone's shock to be Ukrainians, and the bunny rabbit is sitting in the White House being pathetic. Thank you, Newt. If you're on your way to hell and need assistance, you can always depend on old, slow Joe Biden's leadership anywhere along the trail. In all events, the leadership mantle has been snatched from Joe by both the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, and by the Germans. Joe Biden remains flat-footed. He's off once again to seclusion at one of his many million-dollar properties in Delaware. If uh, you haven't noticed, Joe takes each weekend off and flies, usually on Marine One, to Delaware, at our expense, I might add. I believe he's up past 35 such weekends since January 21, 2021, a date already recorded in infamy. Otherwise, during Joe's usual Monday through Friday work week, he'll pop up and sanction another Russian oligarch and seize another yacht or set of expensive properties. I'm sure Putin's quaking. Here's Senator Tom Cotton, as promised. Thank you. Director Haynes, I want to address the administration's fiasco of failing to help Poland transfer its aircraft to Ukraine. The Pentagon spokesman yesterday cited your intelligence community, quote, the intelligence community has assessed the transfer of MiG-29s to Ukraine may be mistaken as escalatory and could result in significant Russian reaction that might increase the prospects of a military escalation with NATO. The State Department spokesman said essentially the same thing earlier today. Since administration policymakers are justifying their hesitancy to help Poland transfer these aircraft by pointing to your intelligence community, could you tell us what is the basis for this alleged assessment that the the transfer of these aircraft would be viewed as escalatory? The DNI's response to this question was that it was the best estimate of the military department's analyst. Senator Cotton responded, I appreciate your analysts and their deep expertise and knowledge about this. I'm asking what specific evidence, information, intelligence do they have that the transfer of these aircrafts, as opposed to anti-aircraft missiles that shoot Russian jets out of the sky, is going to be viewed as escalatory? I take it you've heard that magic word again, escalatory. 
Believe me, after this war, you'll probably never hear that word again. That is, unless your son or daughter comes home one evening to tell you that they've decided to take an escalatory approach to their relationship and they're planning a wedding. In any event, Senator Cotton wanted to know what information the Director of National Intelligence is relying on for her conclusion and that of her departments that the transfer of these Polish MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine would be seen by Putin as escalatory. Now, the DNI director said she could be uh, more precise and give better information in a closed-door session. So uh, the Pentagon spokesman also said that this is the same intelligence that they had last year that delayed the transfer of many of those missiles as well, that there's no new intelligence. He said it was the same intelligence he had, he's had last year. Is that the case? It's fairly clear that Senator Cotton wants to know if this is the same data or source intelligence that the Pentagon's been using these past several months to delay shipments of Stinger and Javelin rockets to Ukraine and just about every other weapon system. Or in other words, is Joe Biden just afraid to do anything if it could, might, should, possibly, or whatever be used by Putin to go to war with NATO, which would also mean going to war with the United States? Here's my opinion. You don't have new intelligence. This is opinion. And in many cases, this is policymakers who are looking to the intelligence community to provide them cover for their hesitancy. General Barrier, could you explain as an intelligence officer how Vladimir Putin might be A-OK with us transferring missiles that turn their tanks into burning piles of rubbish or shoot their jets out of the sky, yet transferring tactical aircraft is going to be unacceptable? Why is the latter escalatory and the former not escalatory? Not receiving a satisfactory answer, Senator Cotton challenges the DNI and asserts his own opinion. Now, in an attempt to draw the distinction between Stinger ground-to-air missiles and fighter jets, a lieutenant general steps in and takes a stab. Senator Cotton, thank you. I, I will take a stab at that in open session here. I think when you, when you look at uh, anti-tank weapons and air defense, uh, surf, uh, shoulder-fired kinds of weapons, there, there is a range of escalation. And I think in our view, um, that escalation ladder doesn't get checked higher uh, with those weapons versus uh, something like combat aircraft. Senator Cotton responds. I got to say, I don't think there's a lot of common sense between this distinction and a lot of farmers in Arkansas wouldn't understand it either. I mean, it, your own written assessment, Ms. Haynes, says that Russia, quote, doesn't want a direct conflict with the United States, end quote. That was from January 21st that that assessment said Russia doesn't want a conflict with the United States. You think they're more likely to want a conflict now after Vladimir Putin has seen the performance of his army? In short, Senator Cotton says there's an imperceptible difference with absolutely no distinction between the two weapons as seen by a commander on the ground or in the air. Now, the director of national intelligence, Averill Haynes, by the way, she's the first female ever appointed to this post, gave Senator Gotten her assessment of the intelligence community's task as given her by the president. While Ms. Haynes is the first woman DNI, she's white. But I'm sure Joe Biden has promised someone that someday a new DNI will be the first black female. Here's Ms. Haynes stating her case. 
I don't think it's an issue of whether or not they're more likely to want a conflict. It's whether or not they perceive us as being in that conflict with them. I think we're in a very challenging position, right, where we are obviously providing enormous amounts of support to the Ukrainians, as we should and need to do, but at the same time trying not to escalate the conflict into a full-on NATO or U.S. war with Russia. And that's a challenging space to, to manage. Here's the rub. If someone with nuclear weapons says he's going to take another nation by force, and if anyone dares get in his way, they'll be nuked. This guessing game with what Putin believes is escalatory is incredibly wrong-headed. Heck, we could say we have many people along our border states with Mexico of Hispanic or actually Mexican heritage. We should annex Mexico, and if the Mexicans resist, we should send in our military to crush the resistance with whatever force is required. If neighboring nations or any nation in the world wishes to contest our annexation of Mexico, once thought a sovereign nation, well, they can expect to receive an IBM with a nuclear warhead attached. Now here's Senator Cotton's response to DNI Haynes. First, remember that Senator Cotton graduated from Harvard College in 1998 and Harvard Law School four years later. He worked as a federal clerk for a year and as an associate at two Washington, D.C. law firms before enlisting, before enlisting in the U.S. Army in January of 2005. He was commissioned as an infantry officer in June and rose to the rank of captain before being honorably discharged in 2009. Served four years. He served tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, and at Fort Myer, Arlington, Virginia, and was awarded the Bronze Star and a Combat Infantry Badge. So he's fairly familiar with military intelligence and tactics. I've got to say, it seems to me that Vladimir Putin simply deterred the U.S. government from providing these aircraft by saying they would view this as escalatory. And if that's going to be our position, I mean, we might as well call the commanding general at Fort Lewis outside Seattle and tell him to take the flag down and surrender our position. Because he's not going to stop in Ukraine. He's not going to stop in Europe. He's going to go all the way to the West Coast. And every time <clears throat> he raises a threat, we immediately back off. This is a critical point. At every junction or decision point, as whether the Biden administration was going to help the Ukrainians acquire meaningful weapons to fight a Russian army, Air Force, and Navy, 12 times the size of anything the Ukrainians possessed, Biden has slow-walked his decisions with greater and increasing hesitancy throughout this whole ordeal, right from the very beginning of troop buildup in April of last year. It's almost as if Joe Biden has begrudged the Ukrainians for putting him in this fretful, indecisive position. But, but Joe put himself there. Despite denying his decisions concerning Afghanistan were anything but necessary and proper, which no one believes besides him, he's fallen into triple-guessing himself. That is, if it's really Joe who's making these final decisions. The overarching issue is that with each delay, each hesitation, more Ukrainians are dying. It's the Ukrainians who are trying to remain calm and patient, as Joe appears more worried that inflation and skyrocketing gas prices will somehow be pinned on him uh, in, instead of on Vladimir Putin. And they really belong on him. Joe, you owned these evils. It's you who made the deal with the devil to be president. 
In case you weren't aware, Joe, Satan has been trying and working on taking down America now for pushing three centuries. Your obsession, Joe, with the politics of your self-created dire domestic economic calamity is unquestionably taxing your constrained and deteriorating cognitive and psychological abilities to the point where you are, Joe. Face it, you are grossly incompetent. The net results are that the American public has suffered through your autocratic and misguided handling of all things COVID, and now our citizens are paying an increasingly brutal economic price because of your torturous ideological decisions on just about damn near everything, all while Ukrainians are heinously murdered. The only thing that's escalatory is the Ukrainian and Russian death toll, Joe, and your failed presidency. Here's Senator Cotton's last word on this subject at this Senate hearing. Senator Burr raised an excellent point. It's a second arbitrary distinction uh, about these Polish MiGs. Apparently, the U.S. government position was they go from Poland, okie dokie, that's A-OK. They go from the United States, nope, Vladimir Putin views that as escalatory. I still don't think there's any intelligence to justify that distinction. Uh, I want to return, General Barry, to what you said, Senator Sass. You said that you believe, you believe that there is a difference in escalation between anti-tank missiles and anti-aircraft missiles on the one hand and aircraft on the other hand. I understand you believe that. I understand that Director, Director Haynes believes that, and she claims that the analysts believe that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it, and I don't believe there's intelligence to support it. I bet... The Russian pilot that gets shot out of the air by an anti-aircraft missile as opposed to an aircraft doesn't believe it either. But it's not really a matter of what you believe or I believe. It's a matter of what we can prove and what we can prove that Vladimir Putin believes. And I just don't think the proof is there. Thank you, Senator Cotton. Thank you for your service and thank you for keeping up the good argument. In our closing minutes, I'd like to return to Kamala Harris in Poland. Poor Poland. What do you have against the Poles, Joe? Why, Joe, would you send an incoherent Kamala Harris to Poland to confuse, demoralize, yet possibly entertain this year's soon-to-be nation of Nobel Peace Prize winners? What in tarnation? Yes, what in tarnation is Kamala doing in Eastern Europe? Is she going to come up with another stunning, stupid root cause analysis of why Ukrainians are fleeing their country for Poland and Romania and Moldova and every other country that surrounds uh, Ukraine. Catch this clip. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Imagine all the heavy duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today, because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. In all fairness to Camilla, she gave this speech before she left for Poland. Yeah, she does sound as if she's reading a story to first graders. 
she's not really reading to first graders, but if she was, I do believe this is a more wholesome story than those on topics confronting too many first graders in woke school board districts these days, where the storyline is likely to be, meet Jimmy, his new boyfriend is really a girl, or all this time Jenny thought she was really a he, and guess what? She's a she no longer. Hooray. But we won't dwell on this particular topic today. Imagine instead you're in a fairy tale world of Camilla's green energy world. I can imagine it, but this won't save American families from suffering from Joe and Camilla's fantasy world of fossil fuel-free economies. And it sure the heck didn't stop the Ukrainian-Russian war. Imagine gas was two bucks a gallon and food prices were down 30% and falling. Imagine the war in Ukraine coming to a screeching halt. And as long as we're imagining, let's imagine the war never really happened. Let's imagine this war didn't need to happen because we wisely chose a different path than methodically dismantling our fossil fuel industry decades before we were capable of replacing it with the current pipe dream of green energy. You can imagine the vice president playing the above audio clip for the Ukrainians fleeing from their destroyed homes and lives. They're dying for our green energy arrogance. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. As you may have surmised, I'm having trouble letting go. I'm not ready to forgive those who trespass against us. We're entering a perilous time. Unless Biden is struck by God on his road to Damascus and changes his mind about fossil fuels, I do fear. God bless you all, and please join me next week for The Frankly Daniel Show. 